We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 14th edition of the Roto-Wire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports alongside Jake Letarski. Looking at Roto Jake before we get into today's recap of the Monday Night Football game between the Raiders and Ravens, which was great, and some week to waiver wire additions. Let's first get a word from our sponsors. WinBet, if there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks, I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the, ex- Win- WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast, and WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live bets, and so much more right at your fingertips. If you want a break from sports betting, I don't know why you would, but you can head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin at roulette, double down blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding at WinBet. The possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive uh, partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Jake, we've made it now to week two. It feels crazy. Like, you know, only a month earlier, uh, the season was going to take so long. And yet the Packers still haven't officially started their season. So this is fantastic news for us. They still, thankfully, the Packers thought it was a, a 16-game season. So we're good yeah. to go. Yeah, preseason week one, and then we just have a regular 16-game <laughs> season to go. Yeah, I, I don't know what to uh, make of that. I'm kind of mentally blocking that out right now. But there's a lot of other good football that happened this week. And, of course, there are tons of good names to help you get ahead of your league and uh, and go on the waiver wire. Some of the names that we mentioned last week did all right. Uh, we'll try not to rehash too many of them, but we'll get some guys that are, you know, under 50% roster ship and, uh, and could be poised to help be big game changers in your fantasy league this year. Yeah. I only mentioned the uh, Packers demoralizing and debilitating uh, no show because Jameis Winston's probably going to be star of the podcast. And he was last week to some extent too. So we can at least uh, do a victory lap as we get to that. But first we have to talk a little bit about, what ended up being a thriller between the Ravens and Raiders last night. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, Jake, I turned it off when Brian Edwards scored that touchdown in overtime because I, I thought the game was over with and I was playing <laughs> I was playing NBA 2K. And I was like, oh, so then, so then you then, missed the whole like eight minutes of game time. No, right? no, my, like the people, my friends at the party were like, no, they, he didn't catch it. And then, oh, wait, he threw an interception. So I was like late mm-hmm. for that. But I did eventually see the off off the back shoulder throw from Derek Carr, mm-hmm. just lobbing it up there for the touchdown. That's like schoolyard mm-hmm. throw type of yeah. thing. Well, and Zay, there you go. Raiders Zay Jones was just wide open on he that was, play yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought, I mean, this is arguably the game of the week, unless you want to give it to Tom. I mean, it was just thrilling back and forth. It looked like the Ravens were in control. Lamar Jackson fumbled. The momentum kind of shifted a little bit. And then we thought that the Raiders won in overtime and it went from 
big celebration on the field, photographers out and everything to, oh, nope, nope, it's actually, uh, you know, we're going to run it back the other way. And uh, and then, of course, you had the Willie Sneed dropping a pretty much surefire touchdown instead popping it up in the air so the Ravens could pick it off and have new life. And then we went back and forth. I guess I was rooting for Justin Tucker points because of the one share I had there. But, um, no, overall, it went great. But the, the true standout of this game and the biggest fantasy story for me is Darren Waller, right? He had a career-high 19 targets. Um, he is clearly the guy. I mean, Gruden said after the game that he's one of the best players that he's ever coached, or he might even call him the best player he ever coached, if I remember that right. And he's just going to be a target machine all season long. And, I mean, you've got Kelsey, who had a phenomenal game, two scores week one, so you really can't stick him in tight end one territory. But he's absolutely in the same tier, and uh, and I think he's going to continue to be a, a game-changing and possibly league-winning fantasy asset this season. I think I have one share of Waller in that best ball underdog league that we did when we were getting the, the yeah. listeners a couple of weeks ago uh, to participate. And he fell inexcusably to the third round. It was like, well, yeah, I have to. And I think I took him right before you, who was also probably going to do the same thing. Oh, yeah, the, I was ready for it. <laughs> the, I mean, the value made sense. And and I, I think back to John Amari, who've been doing the podcast now every Thursday for a long time. And John's been a staunch supporter of Darren Waller mid-second round. And I keep thinking – man, I got to get a running back. Maybe I want DK Metcalf around that range. If Waller is going to get that type of target share, and it sure seems like it because for the most of his career with the Raiders, that's been the case. Mid-second round might be a value at this point. That's like one of the few things you could say for for that uh, ADP position. Yeah. The only thing is they were starting to kind of figure it out. He's going to start seeing a lot of double teams because he wasn't targeted a ton in overtime and in the late fourth quarter. They went to Brian Edwards a lot. And of course, Zay Jones got the game winning play. They gave Willie Sneed his probably first and last high profile opportunity <laughs> of, of, of the season. And, uh, I, you know, they're a talented team. They've got some guys that could turn out to be good. I mean, Edwards outplayed rugs. Rugs is probably droppable. I have them on my drop list uh, for later on in the show. I don't want to get into that too much, but I feel like we have to discuss the Ravens and Tyson Williams, given he was basically the star of our pre-week one waiver wire show. And that, of course, only, you know, we were we were saying pick up Tyson Williams as, you know, the backup game change of pace for Gus Edwards. <laughs> later that and day. of course, <laughs> then later that day, Gus Edwards goes and, and, get, and, and tears his ACL. So we pretty much have a backfield led by Tyson Williams. Of course, they signed Latavius Murray. Trent Cannon is around, but I think he's more of a special teamer. Um, so the, the distribution was interesting because while I was watching the game, I was thinking to myself, okay, they're using Tyson Williams a bunch in the first half, and they seem to use Latavius Murray a lot more in the second half. And in the, in the end of the game, Latavius Murray had 10 carries to nine for Williams, but Williams was out there much more like overall. He was out on the field for 51% of snaps compared to only 31% for Latavius Murray. And Tyson Williams got four targets compared to zero targets for either Murray or Trenton Cannon. So uh, I think as we move forward here, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell or Devonta Freeman are going to get in the mix. If anything, they phase maybe Trenton Cannon's offensive touches out. But uh, I mean, There'll be a little bit of a timeshare, and of course, Lamar Jackson's going to get his. He's not going to dump off to the running backs a whole lot, um, but it seems like Tyson Williams, after week one, is, is pretty much the guy that we thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, fair to say, after 65 yards uh, on the ground, 29 yards received, and again, most of that, like you mentioned, the first half, he scored a touchdown. Latavius Murray, on the other hand, scored the touchdown in the second half, like towards the fourth quarter. Only 10 carries for 28 yards. I don't even think he got a single target that game, which nope. is the important part of this context. Because if you're saying Tyshawn Williams is going to be the guy that we more or less thought he would, well, you have to be worried about the Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman who are both on the Ravens practice squad and figured to be called up at some mm -hmm. point in the near future. What will those two role be on this team? And I think it's it's kind of what Tyshawn Williams did this or Tyson Williams did this this past week where he could be a, a ball carry but also mm -hmm. a pass catcher too. Whereas Latavius Murray almost was strictly the guy that was getting some of those in-between carries and looked good. And, and we know what that role can be. Mark Ingram, JK Dobbins mm -hmm. over the past two years have been successful with Lamar Jackson in that capacity. So are you worried about a Le'Veon Bell or Devonta Freeman possibly uh lowering Tyson Williams's value? Yeah, I mean I think the value will eventually lower a little bit here as we get going. But to me, in 50% of the snaps and 10 carries is an acceptable flex position in this offense. You know, he's going to score some touchdowns. It's nice to see that he actually got the targets here. I mean, so, I mean, Latavius Murray and then you have yeah, Bell and Freeman, uh, at least Murray was in a camp this year for much of it, you know, and was, and, and is, and is ready point. to go. That's how he ended up being there. Um, I feel like, 
Bell or even Freeman might be kind of emergency type guys. You know, if somebody else were to go down and I don't think they're both going to get called up. I don't think necessarily they're going to have four running backs or, or five running backs on the active roster because it's not like Bell or Freeman are coming up and playing any special teams at all. And Cannon does that at least. So, I mean, again, yeah, 50 to 60% snap share guy. Normally, this is kind of some weird game flow for the Ravens, right? Because normally in the in the last second half of the game, especially the fourth quarter, they're running the ball a ton, and there's a lot more carries to give here. This game, they all of a sudden found themselves in tie games and behind and had to keep throwing it a little bit, which, of course, isn't necessarily their game plan here. So I think we're going to see more positive game flow for Williams, and I'm not necessarily worried about him being knocked out of you know, kind of flex range, especially when we get up into bye weeks, he's going to be a viable flex, even, you know, even when those other guys come around and then shake up the distribution a little bit. Yeah, I could, I'm, I'm a little bit worried because Tyson Williams theoretically is doing the same stuff as Bell and Freeman. And while Bell and Freeman haven't been in the camp at all, I think they are big enough names that the Ravens wouldn't jeopardize whatever chemistry they might have at that position. And I know there's a lot of guys missing, so maybe there's just zero chemistry Mm -hmm. in that backfield period, but you you wouldn't jeopardize it. Like in the same way that you don't sign Cam Newton as a backup to a quarterback to a lesser extent, you don't do the same thing with a Le'Veon Bell and then Devonta Freeman. Like you have those guys Mm -hmm. in your practice squad to be able to utilize them in some capacity when they are ready, but that when they are ready, can be drastically different because they have not had that camp time yet. I think Trenton Cannon would have ultimately get phased out. Like if you're talking about a guy that is going to just do special team stuff and maybe a pass catching rep or two, you would rather use that roster spot and somebody a little bit more versatile for our offensive perspective, but I don't know when that is. So like I, if there's an offer out there right now for fancy managers uh, aggressively trying to trade for Tyson Williams, I would say, yeah, like I would, I would move him. Um, but right now, I, th- I think mm-hmm. you're going to get a, like a couple of weeks at least of legitimate RB two viability. That's that's a fair statement to make, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely uh, I'm absolutely fine with that. Uh, you know, I'm buying that. I just uh, I, I'm trying to think of what actionable, like, what can you take from this game actionably? Like, do you does to me that means you can flex him next week. To me, that means sure you can accept a, a, a trade offer from a really excited manager, but I'm not aggressively trying to unload him. You know, the, the stock hasn't gone up or down since the Gus Gus Edwards. It's pretty much, you know, maintained the same, maybe even up a tiny bit because he did do quite a bit with his touches. So um, you know, hold for me, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, the other part that I noticed was Marquise Brown had his typical pretty good week one. So did Sammy Watkins that I sent to, I, mm-hmm. I think maybe we'll talk about Watkins a little bit later as a, a wide receiver pickup, but I was happy to see mm-hmm. Marquise Brown, I think what six for 69 and a touchdown or something like that close to that. Uh, that was what we anticipated Marquise Brown was going to be last season. And I'm glad to see a bit more PPR utility out of him as, a, as opposed to just this big play threat, but otherwise yeah. Lamar Jackson was Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson and, uh, one of the more entertaining players in, in all football mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. I mean, remember what I said though, about a regular game flow. I mean, I don't think that you're going to see too many games where Lamar Jackson throws the ball 30 times necessarily. So I'm not in any rush to really acquire Sammy Watkins, if I'm being completely honest with you. Okay. That's, that's fair enough. Let's move over to the quarterback position. Obviously we had talked about Jameis Winston last week, had his five touchdowns against whatever triple a defense, the Packers decided to put out there. Mac Jones got his start uh, and and looked good enough against the dolphins. Obviously the loss Carson Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater too was fantastic. And Jimmy G ended up making an appearance despite Trey Lance trying to steal the touchdown pass opportunities as well. And then of course, Mm -hmm. Tyrod Taylor uh, in the two QB leads ended up being pretty viable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a lot of options, and now we kind of go back to this situation where, again, when we're talking about this podcast and wave wire options, we're looking for players under 50% rostered on Yahoo. In most situations, that doesn't really apply to a lot of these guys. I think Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. as of the writing yeah. yesterday, was like 44%. Yeah. That's going to change pretty yeah. clearly by mm-hmm. the end of today. Too. Yeah, J- yeah. Jameis would have made the cut for the show, but we talked about him heavily last week. He went out and did you know, what was expected to him against a pretty soft Packer defense. I don't know if this efficient Jameis thing is going to stick around, but when you have Packers DBs playing 15 yards off the line of scrimmage on every play, he'll find a way to get the ball, uh, you know, to his receivers. And and both of his tight ends, he used both of his tight ends effectively because he has to. I mean, Marquez Callaway was, you know, pretty much a – it was a no-show, even though the game flow didn't really dictate that a little bit. Deontay Harris became a little interesting. We'll talk about Jawan Johnson a little bit later. Um, but, no, Jameis did – 
he had an he had an excellent game. He granted it was a soft matchup, but if he can do that with uh, this type of offensive weapons around him, uh, wait until you know Michael Thomas comes back and all and all this goes out. At the very least, I think he's secured losing too many snaps to Taysom Hill outside of that trick play scenario. So I think you can make an argument. You know, unless we, there might be some running backs that could, that could take this, but you could make an argument that if you're in need of a quarterback in any way, shape, or form, or even if you're a little worried about your quarterback, Jameis could be your top overall pickup of the week. All right, fair enough. Let's move over to Teddy Bridgewater, though, who is available in, in just about every league, 11, 11% rostered in Yahoo formats, 5% in ESPN. If you're streaming quarterbacks and you watched at all portions of that Texans-Jaguars game from week one, I think you have to see Teddy Bridgewater as maybe a quarterback one, uh, like top 10 option this week. The Jaguars defense Mm -hmm. was that bad. Tyrod Taylor looked like a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And I think with the weapons, even minus Jerry Judy, that the the Broncos are going to have at their disposal, this could be a fantastic opportunity for Bridgewater to really be able to make some fantasy goodness happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tyrod Taylor was borderline even drafted in two quarterback leagues. I I mean, I'm sure he was, but definitely wasn't started in week one necessarily so you know you saw what he went out and did you have to imagine that Bridgewater will at least get a piece of the same now we'll talk about the Judy injury a little bit more in the wide receiver area and what that seems to open up for people um but yeah that suddenly makes Teddy Bridgewater a valuable streamer if by chance maybe you were using uh Ryan Fitzpatrick in a two-quarterback league and and just along the same lines as Bridgewater you know I probably like him a little bit better than Jared Goff but uh but Goff is interesting I mean we've got uh He's only 7% Yahoo, 6% ESPN. Um, and then we've, and then, uh, yeah, so these guys can definitely help cover the loss of Ryan Fitzpatrick because, of course, he's out for, a, you know, at least half the season it's looking like. And he seems like he's going to give way to Taylor Heineke here uh, this week. Really, Heineke's more of a deep two quarterback league guy. I'm not necessarily sure you can pick him up and expect a whole lot, but uh, especially with a short week of prep, you know, he's got the Giants on Thursday night football. So, We've got a lot uh, lot going on in the quarterback uh, world in week one here, and you know it'll be a revolving door for much of the year. Who, which one of those three, Bridgewater, Goff, or Heineke, uh, all favorable matchups, you'd think, uh, mm-hmm. despite you know the, what, what horribleness the Packers defense would do if they struggled to Jared Goff of all people, which one of those three do you feel most confident mm-hmm. ends up producing um, QB1 numbers, much less you know two QB formats? Uh, production wise yeah I listed them pretty much in the order of of how I thought they were going to go successfully so so Teddy Bridgewater would be my guy in this scenario okay I I agree too like you know I'm gonna after this podcast I'm gonna be adjusting my week two rankings for the Yahoo plus package that we are now part of this this season myself many of my other RotoWire colleagues are doing those rankings too I think Bridgewater is gonna be right up there I think again regardless of the Judy injury and how long he'll be out there's enough firepower for the Broncos to be able to just go mince me on Urban Meyer's team. And I think uh, I would not be surprised if Urban Meyer is a one and done coach. Like I was, yep. I was thoroughly unimpressed with what yeah. they I know. Week, week one, I'm already kicking myself. You know, that's one that you're going to take from me on our win total over under. I thought maybe that they would be good, that they had enough. And then of course injuries hit. And then you see how, you know, Urban Meyer is using his, his Ohio state guy over James Robinson. And like, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it was pretty sickening. I've lost all faith in the Jaguars after one week, you know, talk, talk about overreacting. Right. But you know, if a team like the Texans can do that to them, then Holy crap, we've got a problem on our hands. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did exactly what I thought he would do from a fantasy perspective. It wasn't pretty. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's going to happen for much of the season until yeah. he gets like Joe burrowed from last year and his knee just explodes in the field. Hopefully that <laughs> no, doesn't Jesus. occur. Come on, I, I don't, but like, Come I, on, man. <laughs> I mean, like that's, Lawrence is going to put up numbers, especially with how bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the bright side, I like my sharks shares. Oh yeah, for my sure. My shark shares, shark shares. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think he's good. I mean, he's going to be a, a valuable product of a lot of shootouts this year. So you know, hooray for DJ Shark. Um, okay, so one other thing with the Heineke, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick, we think he's going to be out. Have they announced how long that injury is going to be? I know it was a hip injury. It didn't look gruesome at the time that it occurred but obviously ryan fitzpatrick pretty tough dude mm-hmm. i yeah it's six to eight weeks we're looking at for six, fitzpatrick I mean, that's, here that's, so that's, we're depriving us of fitz magic for half of the season unfortunately which is difficult and i think actually hinders washington's mm-hmm. chances at making the playoffs this year yeah. their offense was a little bit mundane when uh heineke was their quarterback like against mm-hmm. the chargers and and to be fair brandon staley's defense looked pretty good in, in their debut but i i was anticipating more from Heineke. And I thought there was a, it was not great. Like they, they had to manufacture passes to Terry McLaurin, 
three mm-hmm. of his four catches came on that very first drive of the second half. And they're kind of like swing passes and predictably McLaurin being insane, like made him work. And then there was one fluky catch that should never have happened. That was like a 30 yard play. It was like Heineke wasn't even looking his best player. And that makes me a little bit concerned mm-hmm. for future weeks. So just, just keep that in mind. If you are in two QB yeah. formats and thinking, Hey, I got a starter there. Well, I'm not positive Heineke is going to be fantastic from a fantasy perspective, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, who are they going to after him? Like I don't Kyle know. Allen? What are you talking about? <laughs> Kyle Allen, Rod okay. Rivera's favorite quarterback. Say, Kyle Allen. I was going to say I had a, I had a look at the depth chart to be reminded there because I don't I don't have the third stringers all the way on, on my, down my head. But okay, sure, Kyle Allen it is. Ron Rivera is very upset that you do not know who Kyle Allen could possibly be for this team. Um, we do have a question uh, as we're doing this live here. Uh, somebody said, so they traded away Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs, and Debo Samuel and got back Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Taylor in this deal. Jake, who do you believe had the better side of this trade? Well, you know, whenever I look at trades on uh, on Twitter, uh, the first my first gut reaction here is who's, who gets the best player, right? I mean, that if you, if you look at hundreds of these questions every year and you have to have, you know, a first thing to lean on. So who gets the best player? And the best player in this deal is unquestionably Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion. You saw the uh, snap distribution last week. He was used on third downs. He got the targets. I mean, Naheem Hines, who they just extended, you know, got, got himself a few targets, but really this is Taylor's show here. So to me, he's unquestionably the best player in this deal. Um, Debo's just kind of a kicker that's that's meaningless because he's not necessarily a start every week. And I assume that's Josh Allen and not Keenan Allen. Correct. Is, yep. I was going to say this will be the second time that I've gotten uh, confused by that during the week. But no, you've got, you've got RB1 and RB2 locked all season long. The toughest position in fantasy football is now 100% covered. So I take the Taylor Gibson trade, and I don't worry about it too much. Uh, you know, as long as it's not a two-quarterback league would change things, which I assume they would have specified in the question. But, uh, but no, I'm for sure going with... Uh, with the Gibson Taylor end of this trade. I, I completely agree too. And you know, the Josh Allen part of that fine, but we just talked about fantastic QB options, whether it be Jared Goff uh, or Teddy Bridgewater this week. And I think you can stream quarterback pretty effectively for at least the first half of the season, if not more. And if you're able to find a trade like this, who's to say you can't get a top tier yeah. quarterback that falls off like yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Ponytail himself. No, I mean, uh, why, don't, why don't you make that trade and then go bid 35% of your fab budget on Jameis? You know, then you have court- he's not playing the Packers defense every week. I'm not convinced uh, LASIK Jameis is a QB one the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I loved his ADP because he was like getting undrafted in most places, but I really think the Packers defense was like gouge your eyes out bad. And I could have made half those touchdown throws. I'm not complimenting mm-hmm. Winston as much. I am saying the Packers defense was one of the yeah. more miserable things we've seen. I mean, they've got one of the worst inside linebacker groups in the league. So you knew it was going to be bad for Kamara all day to start with. And then, I mean, obviously Kevin King, is just not cutting it as as no, cornerback he's, too. He's, he's picking player. he's picking up right where he left off in the NFC Championship. <laughs> it's good to know that Kevin King of all people is consistent. That's that's true. All yes, right. he's and, consistent and, if nothing else. Oh, Kevin know, King. I remember <laughs> watching the game. Oh, Kevin King getting beat. Oh, yeah, where's that? It was familiar? like the we, we were already losing by twenty eight that time. It was like the cherry on top of that miserable Sunday. Mm-hmm. We've we've dunked enough in the Packers. I will do it again. Tuesday night when my throat is dry after watching them lose to the Lions on Monday Night Football. Can't wait for that experience. I'm so excited. God, mm-hmm. I'm hating my life already. Uh, okay, at running back, we talked about Tyshawn Williams. Or Ty- why am I don't know why Tyshawn Williams? I, Tyson- I don't know why we were putting the H in there, man. And Yeah, and it's Tyshawn sure. Williams. It's just like when you're going Terrence Marshall and Terrace Marshall. No, yep. Jake. We have, we have our guys. We have our guys. Tyshawn Williams, Tony Jones, Wayne Gallman. This week, uh, unfortunately, it has to be Mark Ingram. And I say unfortunately because mm-hmm. – I'm not excited to pick up the guy that is yeah. feels like 40 million years old. It's like, well, great. We we had this thing with Frank Gore last year. We we're now just redoing it again with Mark Ingram, only in a similarly or even worse situation, which is this Texans offense. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I put Mark Ingram down first. We used him as the cover boy in our video. But, you know, the more I started diving into the numbers here, is, he's, there, there's a lot to just really not be that excited about. He might be the top guy. That goes in your fab. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Elijah Mitchell in a second. I think he would be the top running back pickup this week if you're going for that. But um, it's it's bizarre to me. I mean, 3.3 yards per carry is nothing to get excited about. It's the 26 carries that is. But Liz made a good point on the uh, on the show yesterday with Jeff. Or maybe, or maybe it was Jerry in his article. I mix up all the content I take in. But anyway, the point is that this is the best running back game flow that the Houston Texans will see all 18 weeks of the season or all 17 weeks of the season that they play. This is by far the best one they're going to have. So you're 
buying high on this point. I think it's going to cost you over 20% of your fab budget to get it. I'd much rather take that 20% and put it into uh and put it into Elijah Mitchell here. And, and it's not even that close for me, but Mark Ingram, he's on the radar and he'll be picked up and you should at least put a small, keep him honest bit in because in case this usage continues, then, then maybe there's something to be had here. Well, let's get into this with Elijah Mitchell, because I think you're right. If you don't get Mark Ingram, Sorry, if you don't get Mitchell, you're probably getting Mark Ingram. So listeners out there probably want to have this understanding. Raheem Mostert could be out eight weeks. He made all of a quarter uh, and a half against that Lions game, and he would have went insane against the Lions given the production that Hasty and Elijah Mitchell put up. But Elijah Mitchell enters the fray, gets 100-plus yards carrying on the ground. Uh, both Hasty and Mitchell, I believe, get touchdowns. And more crucially, fifth-round pick ADP Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch to begin week one against the Lions, clearly third on that depth chart. Not to say Sermon can't leap up there. And in fact, now that now that Sermon is going to be forced to play more or less, I could see him just making good on those opportunities and proving Kyle Shanahan like that wrong. The talent just wins out eventually. But I think it's very clearly Elijah Mitchell's backfield. And to what extent that means, I'm thinking like 65%, 60% of the carries, which is very important when it's the Niners offense giving him those carries. So I, I think like Elijah Mitchell might be one of the top pickups mm-hmm. we're going to see all season when it comes to a, like a waiver wire or free agent budget perspective. Not yeah. that he lives up to that, but he will get all of that kind of uh bugaboo. Yeah. This definitely might be the guy to go after early. I'll say one more thing on Mark Ingram, despite, you know, the 26 carries, he was only on the field for 46% of snaps here. So that's a little bit, uh, you know, concerning given the whole committee there. I think he got the uh, he got the most favorable game flow and the most favorable like workload he'll see all year. Now, Mitchell, on the other hand, he got 63.6% of the snaps for 49ers. Uh, Jamichael Hasty came back with 29.1%. And then, of course, you know, 7.3% of Raheem Mostert. So I think Mo- Mitchell is um, is pretty much the guy. Now, Jerry notes, again, I'm taking the snap data from our from Jerry's uh, hidden stat line article, or he calls it RB usage article this year. It's it's worth, it's free week one on Roto-Wire. It's worth the price of admission alone. I mean, there's so much research that goes into this and it's a it's a must-have when we're doing our shows this week. But again, with Trey Sermon, a healthy scratch, you know, you had Mostert get hurt with the knee injury in the first quarter. He's going to be out about eight weeks. Then after the first quarter, I'm reading this right from the article, after the first quarter, Mitchell played 19 of 23 snaps on first down and 13 of 13 snaps on second down while hasty kind of played the third down so i mean that is enough to sell me on elijah mitchell now trey sermon will get in the mix here eventually i don't think that i am dropping my trey sermon shares yet and it's really hard because it's a seventh round pick you know seventh eighth round pick maybe even sooner for a lot of the times that you had to take trey sermon um so you really it's tough to cut bait with him already like that but uh, I, no, I mean, you're holding I'm, on to Trey yeah. Sermon. You're, you're, you're he's. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 100 certain by at some point this season Sermon's going to have an RB one type of day. It's just that he's going to be in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse to start. Now, mm-hmm. if Sermon were to fumble once, like uh, we see with Bruce Arians or something like that, well, then with Ronald Jones, fine, yeah. Sermon can get dropped because he'll never play again. Mm-hmm. But I do think with the draft compensation invested in Sermon, if nothing else, the 49ers are obliged to make him a guy at some point that's not to say Elijah Mitchell, especially early on can't be that now. And if you are a person that was doing zero RB or, you know, only have one guy, I'm thinking like the Dobbins, I have a few teams that have Dobbins. I will for sure be aggressively going after Mitchell because I think you have a situation now where Mitchell is going to be a top 18, top 20 running back play against the Eagles next, next week and easily a top 12 play against the Packers the following too. And, and if he ends up playing more as the starter looks great in those opportunities, you have the Seahawks and Cardinals on tap for their week five or week six by mm-hmm. all five of those defenses, including the lines this past week are vulnerable to the run. I think Mitchell will be able to take advantage in this offensive system. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for that reason, you know, just to bring it full circle, I do think Mitchell is the top pickup this week. I mean, you bid on Ingram as like a backup bid, but, you know, not putting a ton, maybe 15%, you know, your, your fab or something like that. But if you need a running back and, want to go out for Mitchell at least he's someone that you know plays at least the most role and maybe a little bit more because he's got I look four three speed so you know that's the kind of guy that's the kind of guy Shanahan likes you know when you get in the open field you, you score the touchdown you know you break away so uh you know he seems like he's going to be the guy and and definitely worthy of the top bid but there are some other backs that are do kind of like this week and one of them 
is the Eagles that you mentioned. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, I talked about him way early in the season. I believe I got him in the uh, in the Rotowire Staff Dynasty League. Um, he looked surprisingly good, and he was used surprisingly more than I would have expected in week one. A 35.7% snap share, nine carries, three targets. Um, Boston Scott was completely irrelevant, and it was Gainwell that apparently passed him on the depth chart. And uh, was also the two-minute drill type kind of guy. So that makes things very interesting. We know they weren't going to give 100% to Miles Sanders. He, You know, he's talented. And he looked okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say he actually looked pretty good. But uh, the change of pace guy definitely seems to be Gainwell. And he may be the third down back. So uh, he's going to be out there quite a bit. And, and I'm excited for it. The fact that he's over Boston Scott, I think, is going to go under the radar with Elijah Mitchell being such a, a prominent name and, you know, Jameis Winston, other guys out there too. Uh, Gamble had a second touchdown actually wiped up by penalty to at least looking at our notes. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, he's, he, he's going to be a factor on that offense and they looked surprisingly good. I would say temper the expectations a little bit because the Falcons defense might be one of the worst in the league. Uh, and whatever we thought the Eagles, I, I think the Eagles outplayed expectations I had for them. But I also want to make sure it's not just because the Falcons defense did even worse than I could have imagined. So just just keep that in mind. But a pass catching back, we, we saw it with Hines right this past week. Even though he was clearly behind Jonathan Taylor, you got 10 plus point, points in a PPR perspective out of Hines. Gamewell can do the same type of thing. And he got a few carries on the ground. Again, nine opportunities, only a few of those pass catching stuff. I, I like Gainwell as well. Actually, as my number two ahead of Mark Ingram this week from a running back perspective that probably overall pickups maybe maybe a tim patrick and then we can, we'll talk about more further mm-hmm. yeah yeah we'll definitely get to tim patrick that's an interesting dilemma here um but we might have a couple more couple more running backs to touch on you know i wrote down some honorable mentions here and you know they're guys i'm not excited about but they're guys that might um you know produce here as we get down the road i had to write down carlos hyde as much as it pains me <laughs> because if urban meyer is going to use him it's like the it's like how i feel about mark ingram uh, Mark Ingram is how I feel about this light, if that makes any sense. Like, I groan big time at Carlos Hyde, but if he's going to get more care, I could not believe he got more carries than James Robinson. So that kind of threw me off. Um, Larry Roundtree, I wrote down. Now you're the Chargers. I was going to mention writer. him too. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're the Chargers beat writer. I'm going to defer to you on this one. Is he RB2 in no, LA? Clearly. Clearly. Justin Jackson didn't get his first opportunity until midway through the third quarter. Larry Roundtree, Roundtree was sharing the field the backfield with Austin Eckler throughout the entire first half getting carries. It was a lot of the two running backs flanking Justin Herbert and then having them split out. So Roundtree was also running passing opportunities as well as getting the carries of the middle. He is clearly the number two guy. Now, if Eckler were to get hurt, I think you see Roundtree do some of Austin Eckler stuff and Justin Jackson do some of Austin Eckler stuff. There's just no one comparable to what Austin Eckler provides that offense. But I think Roundtree has some value in super deep formats if you are looking for backup guys. It is not Justin Jackson, it is very much Larry Roundtree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely here. And, you know, kind of pumping through these names a little bit. You know, I wrote Ty Johnson from the Jets down. You know, he got a few carries. It's that seems like a situation in flux. I don't know how much I want to mess with that backfield given the whole state of the offense and the rookie quarterback. And then, of course, not a sexy name. But I had to write down James White. I mean, he was just it was it was uh, Williams getting the majority of the carries there. But James White was, uh, you know, he's the James White that we always expect. You know, he's someone that, you know, you take for a safety pick in late rounds of your drafts or it was often going undrafted. But, uh, you know, he got seven targets. He caught six of them for 49. So there's a there's definitely some PPR utility there, especially, you know, I feel like most PPR leagues, I guess, you know, unless it's anything less than 12 teams, White was taken at some point. But like. You know, a guy that can get eight to ten points out of your flex on a week in and week out basis. Um, yeah, I gotta like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Are we dropping any particular running backs? You know, Raheem Oster again out for eight weeks. I think if you don't have an IR spot in your fantasy team, first shame mm-hmm. on your fantasy managers out there, but also yeah, then I'm probably cutting Mostert. There's no reason to keep him around. J.D. McKissick was completely absent with Antonio Gibson, both getting the carries and mm-hmm. the pass-catching opportunities for Washington. Yep. I think that gets even worse with Taylor Heineke now as your quarterback. Mm-hmm. We talk about Boston Scott getting yep, uh, he's drop for sure. passed over. You know, like the, I mean, there's then Sonny Michel, too, who was a popular draft pick after that trade with the Rams, and he was completely absent, really, with Daryl Henderson doing the majority of the work for the Rams, and that went over the Bears. Uh, I think all, all of those op- guys are – 
are probably droppable. Mm-hmm. Michelle might be the only one that I'd consider. Yeah. Yeah. You know, more guys on the list I made here. We got Malcolm Brown. He was a guy I know we liked as a deep sleeper wake flyer, but, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be involved enough, you know, barring injury to do much. I wrote David Johnson, too. I know he got into the end Touchdown. zone. What are you talking about? Touchdown David Johnson. He got into the end zone, but, man, his usage was not anything that inspires confidence there. I mean, Listen, if you can, if only you can somehow... time the entire season, the Texans will have that game script though. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, I would still try to sell high if you got someone that's randomly interested in David Johnson. Um, I mean, you know, not a cut entirely unless you're in an 18 league, but you know, just throwing that out there and then, Hey, I got to throw some more controversial ones out here because I know there are listeners in shallower leagues that got to make some moves here. And, you know, we could very well eat these words, but how worried are you about Ronald Jones after that week one performance? I mean, you know, the fumble, maybe he doesn't go immediately in the doghouse, but it looks like Leonard Fournette is pretty much the guy there. Yeah. I mean, if you're in shallower leagues, you, I mean, Ronald Jones might have undrafted as is, right? Like they, Leonard Fournette and Jones are both going in that. Mm-hmm. Round nine, ten range, and if you're playing in an eight team or even a ten team league, there's less value in that. I this same thing happened last year where Ronald Jones would fumble, and then later on the season you get 150 plus yards. You're like, oh yeah, he's actually really good in an offense that's going to need to run the ball every once in a while. Makes sense. He's what? much much more favorable in best ball formats, but you you can't figure that out when yeah. we're doing this podcast. No. Yeah, so I absolutely guess, not. I like if it's between Ronald Jones and Elijah Mitchell, I'll take Elijah Mitchell because I think he's a very more has more defined role. Uh, and we'll have for much of the season. And I could probably get Ronald Jones when the upswing seems to be happening or at the very least mm-hmm. somebody else can deal with that headache. Yeah. But there I, are, there I'd are still probably put, I'd probably put Ronald Jones ahead of Mark Ingram, but below Elijah Mitchell. Can we agree on that? Like as far yeah, as cut, cut yeah, range? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll pick up Mark Ingram and I have to, and there's a few leagues that I'm going to have to, but I, I'm not going to be happy about whatsoever. Like I'll have, I'll have Ronald Jones over Kenny Gainwell, I think. Maybe mm-hmm. in the PPR format, I'll take Gamewell over Ronald Jones. I think I actually mm-hmm. will go that direction, but it's close. So that, yeah. That's the range I'm talking okay, about. Okay, and the other controversial one I wrote down is, what are we doing about Zach Moss? I can't... I'm waving him by. That's what I'm saying. You're cutting him? <laughs> You're cutting him? <laughs> I'm doing my victory dance right now. This is the first time that you and I have ever been right over Mario and John, who have just been singing the praises of Zach Moss all the time. It's very clear. He's awful. He's terrible. Devin Singletary all the way. I'm kidding. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to go that far yet. I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I again, don't. The league would have to be pretty shallow to cut Zach Moss, but this is one of those things where clearly nobody actually knew what was going on there in Buffalo. Here. Right. And I, I guess they thought Matt Breida would be more productive as, as, as the backup to Singletary, but um, Singletary had a decent double digit fantasy day. And again, bad game flow for him. He's going to see much better game flow the rest of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Singletary, and I just don't know. I don't know. You know, I've been looking around for like Zach Moss news as to why it happened. And it's been pretty smart. And Curious, right? The mm-hmm. coach, the coach just said, oh, it, it, it was a numbers game. OK, what does that mean? And, you know, that that's right. the only like quote we have in the back. And I guess, you know, you must not have addressed it further. But, you know, I've had a hard time finding reasons for that. So I, I feel is, like but. Zach Moss has not looked very good since he's coming to the NFL. Like a mm-hmm. pass catching perspective, I think he runs slow. And not that Singletary's four six speed. Mm-hmm. You think it's Singletary's a burner. You watch him play, and I just think he he's the better running back. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. I really am not surprised by this, yeah. but I know a lot of people are. Um, regardless, then, yeah. you're not drafting the Bills running backs because Josh Allen is so good and also so good in the red zone, particularly as a runner, mm-hmm. that really the utility of a running back possibly finding the you know, end zone yeah. is difficult. That's, that's So it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also the ankle injury. I mean, I don't know if that, you know, it was late last season. Maybe it lingered into camp. Maybe it set him back a little bit. Maybe he's not as healthy as we think. Again, this is all speculation at this point because there really isn't a great explanation for it that's out there. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, move over to the wide receivers. Before we do, let's get a word from our sponsors. First, Fantasy Stand. Playing fantasy sports is so much fun, but once you dive deeper, fight against other players for a percentage of the pot, well, there's going to be sharks around. Even when your fantasy team crushes it, those skilled pros may leave you without a single cent. Luckily, the days of having a great score and not getting loot are over. With Fantasy Stand, you're playing against the house. If you reach the threshold, you win. It's just that simple. To participate, choose a free or paid entry contest in the lobby. For salary cap, you have to pick nine players while staying at or under the salary cap. For pickums, you simply pick which player from each tier they're going to be presented with. Done. Now sit back and watch the results to see if your fantasy team has what it takes to stand out from the rest. Come out as the high score. We'll get ready for additional prizes. So where do you stand? Visit fantasystand.com to sign up today. Let's also get a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're back. So now we're moving over to wide receivers. We probably spent, Jake, too much time on running back because it's important mm-hmm. uh, with the talk about Elijah Mitchell and the Kenny Gamble or yeah, we, we can call him Kenny Gamble. That's fine enough. Kenneth Gamble, whatever. Uh, but now we have wide receivers, which, I mean, to some extent, it, it's a little bit lackluster. We have the injury to Jerry Judy, which we'll discuss and what that means mm-hmm. for the Denver pass-catching opportunities. Um, we were pretty high on Nelson Aguilar. He caught a touchdown last week. or Last week, we were, we were touting him. Paris Campbell had that 124-yard reception and then, like, nothing else for the Colts. Uh, Terrace Marshall did fine enough. I started him in. DFS now disappointed, but it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's uh, tough to go it's tough to throw rookies out there in DFS this early. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. But what I did like about Terrence Marshall was, uh, you know, three catches. That's you third on the Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall. <laughs> Terrence Marshall. I mean, three catches. That's third on the team. You know, so yes. And, yep. You know, Robbie Anderson only got three targets, and Terrence Marshall got six targets. So I don't know. That tells you something. I think. I think there are going to be two guys that had at least outstanding performances. First being Sterling Shepard, who had a team high nine targets in the loss to the Broncos, seven for 113 and a touchdown. That touchdown was kind of just bad tackling from the Broncos, I felt like. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, Shepard, uh, I, I think it's going to be just confusing pass catchers, whether it be Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, who looked fine enough, according to Chris Liss, uh, Evan Ingram, if he's back healthy, maybe Saquon Barkley factors into. There are so many weapons for that passing game, but I don't feel mm-hmm. like – Daniel Jones is going to lock into one particular guy. So if you're picking up Shepard trying to chase the seven, one 13 and touchdown, I think you're, 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 you're getting a little ahead of yourself. Where are you at with this, Jake? Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it taught me that Shepard's ahead of Slayton and Galladay. I mean, with the targets, I guess we'll see, you know, when the snap share numbers come out, I don't have those off the top of my head, but uh, the other takeaway was that Kadarius Tony can probably go on the drop list. I mean, if you, I guess if you drafted him, it was a late round sleeper, but, uh, to have two carries and two catches for negative yards, you know, one, I mean, one <laughs> lost six on one and gained four on another. Um, you know, there's nothing that makes me inspired to hold on to him that long, but no Shepard, you can't ignore the numbers and he becomes not a sexy pick, but someone that can, that can get you points in the flex. If you're in a tough spot. 
Yeah, I I think that's that's fair enough. But I would imagine, mo- like, is he a wide receiver four or five to on teams, or is he higher up where you're starting him each and every week as a wide receiver three? Mm-hmm. Like that that's the question I think a lot of fantasy managers can be asking themselves. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the former and say like wide receiver four or five. He's some guy you can use if the matchups are right when you start to creep into bye weeks. That's the same for me too. Now, however, we talk about Christian Kirk who had two touchdowns in the Titans just demolish or sorry, the Cardinals demolishing of the Titans. Uh, I, you know, clearly ahead of AJ green, which most people I, I know from like a, what place are they running their routes from? They, they might not have been understood, but like Christian Kirk was going to be a better fantasy ass than AJ green, who does not have much left in the tank. Mm-hmm. If at all, at this point, I like Christian Kirk as a wide receiver for, and I think he, he is especially a lot of my best ball teams because he was going so late is going to be a guy that I think you get a lot of opportunity out of because that Cardinals defense is improving. And mm-hmm. obviously Chandler Jones, the five sacks, he was insane. But I don't think it's quite there all the way, and there's going to be a lot of passing opportunity yeah. uh, for that Cardinals team overall. Well, I mean, and even though they only gave up 13 points, they scored 38, and that was really only trying for three quarters. They they let up in the fourth quarter there a little bit and went more to the run game, especially with James Conner. I mean, this offense is loaded. Out of nowhere, suddenly it's like, oh, man, this offense is awesome. I mean, our four teams from this division going to make the playoffs here. Kirk was the interesting spot because, you know, a lot of people took – they knew Hopkins was going to be the guy, right? And he still is the guy. He'll always be the guy. A.J. Green, six targets, only caught two of them for 25. I think we see a little bit more efficiency from him moving forward, especially as defenses realize they have to pay attention to Christian Kirk. And I know I was never that high on Rondell Moore. I'm seeing him come up on a lot of waiver wire, uh, you know, lists this week. I'm still not necessarily sold on him, but I do like, um, you know, he he led the – he led the team in, you know, in average yards per uh, reception here, you know, with 17. So he did make some big plays, especially with that 29-yard catch. So, you know, he's there, but Christian Kirk is producing right now, and he scored twice, and you can't really ignore that. And he becomes interesting to me again, but I put him in that same Sterling Shepard area kind of, you know, wide receiver four or five. You know, he's not really starting unless you're hurting elsewhere for a different reason. I think Hopkins is going to be eating up most of those opportunities. And then it's whoever gets open, whether it be Kirk or more. And again, I'm assuming AJ green will never get open. So it doesn't matter, but like that the, the, Hopkins is going to dominate most of the opportunity. Uh, and I think it's a situation where I like Kirk to, to do enough underneath. And if they end up using him like a speed threat on the outside, like what we saw against the Titans, mm-hmm. This he's going to be great and more fun enough too. I rolling my eyes and because we had the Twitter users last week saying, "Oh, what do you mean dropping Rondale Moore for all the targets that end up being significantly better than Rondale Moore that were you know clearly like Tyson Williams immediately week one was already more valuable asset." I there's something about a team's wide receiver four, and this goes back to Sterling Shepard as well too, that I would much rather have a backup running back for whether it be Kenny Gainwell, uh, Elijah Mitchell, who's the starter. But like in those instances, it's much more valuable fantasy commodity. But that's a different conversation for a diff- different time. Yeah, Let's well, talk- I was just going to – one last thing. Like, you know, maybe Rondell Moore has, you know, that crazy, crazy speed and, and, and good for him. But you can't really consider him, you know, like an outside receiver to chuck the ball up to because he's not going to out – to me, he's not going to really out physical – too many people to get those deep balls and it's not like christian kirk at 511 200 pounds is is going to do that either but it's, he's got a better chance of doing that you know then unless five start, seven round yeah unless we start doing the underthrow deep balls and have him come back to it which seems to be you know a, va- That's a, a good viable strategy, strategy. Nowadays. Yeah, it seems like it's really working you know for a lot of teams or, or maybe i just watched too much of the monday night game but uh but but no yeah anyway that's a, let, let's move on to denver yeah. Okay. So I mentioned Tim Patrick, but there's also KJ Hamler too, that can fill into this now Jerry Judy uh, hole, which again, I believe it's going to be four to six weeks is that we talked about the high ankle sprain for Jerry Judy, which was tough because yeah. he was obviously doing fantastic six catches for 72 yards before he went down with that injury. Um, Cortland Sutton remains, didn't do a whole lot, but we know Tim Patrick has turned into a bit of a touchdown demon for the Broncos at six last year, scored a touchdown mm-hmm. this week against the Giants. He had four catches for 39 yards. And then he had KJ Hamler there. I think it was their second round pick from last season, catching all four of his three of his four targets, I should say for a 41 yards. I, like, it's a hard situation this week as well with what the 
what Teddy Bridgewater looks like he's going against with that Jacksonville defense. I think you want one of those guys. I just don't know who it is. Yeah, so this is one of those things where, you know, every week I try to sweep as many waiver wire sources as I can. Podcast, you know, I'm listening to like three, four shows on double speed, looking at, you know, at all the popular columns, just because I want to make sure I don't miss anybody, right? That, you know, anybody important that we talk to that we want to talk about on the show. Now, the guy to my surprise that I'm seeing is coming out on top of a lot of these lists is Tim Patrick. And that's fair. He has he has produced in the past, right? We kind of overlooked him during drafts this season because it's like, okay, Sutton's back and we've got Judy. But now Judy, is, who was the second on the team in targets, first among the wide receivers because Noah Fant got eight and Judy got seven. Now that Judy's gone, there's definitely room behind, you know, Sutton steps up. And then there's got to be a wide receiver too in there. And we've seen Patrick do it in the past. But I think people are overlooking KJ Hamler just a little bit. He, I mean, he got just as many targets as uh, as uh, Tim Patrick. But the big thing was he was wide open on a deep ball and he just dropped it. He just dropped it, you know, like shades of uh, MVS last year for the Packers. <laughs> um, and, and he dropped the ball. You know, some of these are tough to make adjust, adjustments on. You know, I was never playing that position. I can't judge too much. But I mean, oh, man. It could have been if that if that gets hauled in, then his line looks like four for 80 something in a touchdown. And everybody's talking about Hamler this week. So Hamler is more of a deep ball threat. And I mean, I remember watching him at Penn State. He was a crazy athlete, good hands, you know, game changing type of player at Penn State. And I think he can finally start to carry this over a little bit. I mean, he was a high draft pick. I believe, you know, thinking off the top of my head, yeah, second round pick. Yeah. Second round pick. So, I mean, the guy is, uh, the, the guy's a stud and I think people are overlooking him. He's got more of a, uh, a pedigree. Um, you know, uh, again, we run into a little bit of the Rondell Moore stuff. He's only five, nine, 180 pounds. So, you know, physically he's not quite what, what, uh, Oh, Tim Patrick is, or at least, you know, I'm saying that off the top of my head here, you know, looking at Tim Patrick, six, four, two, twelve. So, you know, you know, much more physical, but I think, uh, I don't know, there'll be room for Hamler to finesse some routes and, and, and get some action here. And I feel like to get Tim Patrick, you're going to have to spend 11 to 14% of your budget while to get KJ Hamler, you have to spend maybe two to 3% of your budget, especially if there's any kind of a keeper aspect to it. I'm a little bit more interested in KJ Hamler. At a I think price. you're wrong on the, on the budget for Patrick. I think you're, People are going to be a little bit more gun shy to spend their their free agent dollars because it's week one and because it's a position like wide receiver where they can fill in pretty easily, or at least they have been in their other leagues against friends and family. Yeah, like they've they've found uh, wide receivers like Justin Jefferson last year, uh, and I don't think Tim Patrick necessarily fits that mold. There's like there's going to be some I hope budgeting planning for people's budgets throughout the rest of the season, which makes me think that's why Patrick won't be that high. Would you rather have a Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler over Terrace Marshall? Obviously, again, we, we talked about Terrace Marshall earlier with the Panthers uh, third in the team in targets, but didn't do yeah. outstanding. No, I'd rather have Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall over both the Broncos wide receivers. Yep, Yeah, because there's still some untapped upside there, and we knew – I mean, Marshall got the six targets, you know, in that game. We really, uh, you know, that being second on the team behind DJ Moore and, Tar or, and Christian McCaffrey, I guess, um, you know, that high up on the target share, you already know he's there and there's still some untapped potential. Whereas, you know, we've seen from for a few seasons what we're getting. I also think the quarterback plays is, is going to be better throughout the year in Carolina than it is in Denver. So I'm still, I'm sticking to my guns with Terrace Marshall and being a little spoiled there. But, you know, the last thing I'll say on Patrick is that's a big part of the reason I look at all these other sources because I want to see, I want to see, you know, like what the market is thinking, you know, where, where, where people are looking for fantasy advice, what are they seeing? What messages are they seeing over and over again? And they're seeing Tim Patrick ranked among the top three pickups this week. And I just don't think it's there. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, let's move over to KJ Osborne, who, surprisingly i think for many people had seven catches for 79 yard or 76 yards out of his nine targets for the vikings obviously jefferson and thielen jefferson towards the end kind of eight uh but thielen had a fantastic game too mm -hmm. there's a pretty limited target tree for minnesota and i think it got even smaller after the injury um to irv smith is it possible that KJ Osborne, especially in full point PPR leagues, could be a pretty viable fantasy guy like Jacoby Myers last year? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking that 
yeah, he could get involved to, to some degree here. You know, you have to temper expectations a little bit. And we put these guys on our list, you know, largely to cater to people in, in much deeper leagues here. But the tight ends just, they, they weren't really involved in the uh, in the game plan or, like you said, in the route tree for Minnesota. I mean, Conklin had four targets. He caught all four of them for 41 yards. Herndon had two targets and caught zero of them. So I think just naturally you see more wide three wide receiver sets and a guy like Osborne can get some targets here. This could be one of his top five games of the year, though. So, you know, you have to temper expectations a bit, but you're following the usage. You're following the way that this team is running. And 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 he he earned his spot on the list. I'll just say that uh, real quick. Let's go through Cedric Wilson and Renfro. Obviously, Wilson likely filling in for Michael Gallup, who is going to be on the short, short term IR with the calf. It sounded like three to four weeks. And then we had Hunter Redfro, similar to um, Osborne with the six catches, 70 yards in that win over the Ravens last night. Either one of those guys pique your interest at all? You know, a little bit. They're both kind of Hail Mary plays. You know, they're backup guys that you throw $0 bids on if you've got dead weight on your roster here. And, yeah, Wilson's interesting after the after the situation there. He caught three balls, all three of his targets. Gallup was just a guy that they were going to frequently to move the chains a little bit, and I think Wilson cuts into that a bit. You're not – I mean, he's still clearly wide receiver three and maybe four or five after some of the backs and tight ends. And then, uh, you know, I, I had to put – I had to put Renfro down just because he was a guy they were going to when they were driving at the end of the game. He's somebody that Gruden seems to trust. He's somebody that Carr seems to trust. So, uh, you know, especially after Willie Steed probably, you know, burned any of that, uh, any of that goodwill. And um, yeah, so overall, uh, you know, the $0 guys, but I mean, six for 70 yards on nine targets for Renfro, you can't necessarily ignore that kind of production here. So, you know, mid middling and wide receiver six seven in ppr leagues i mean they get a spot on the list because i hope some some people in 16 18 team leagues haven't tuned out yet but you know for your average guy they're not they're not doing a whole lot for you when it comes to cuts at wide receiver we talk about michael gallup with that injury i'm not sure again hopefully you're playing in leagues that have ir spots where you can put these guys but if he is like i don't know like i think of curtis samuel too is going to be on IR for at least three weeks uh that was announced last week and like i love curtis samuel I'm not dropping him for most of these names, maybe a Christian Kirk, maybe a Tim Patrick or a, Cam- a Hambler. Um, but that's, a, that's an option out there. Obviously, Kadarius Tony, first round pick for the Giants, mm-hmm. didn't do anything when there's so many other guys doing things for the Giants. And then Ruggs had that one big deep catch and then nothing else, right? Like there's, there's some... Mm-hmm. There's some options at wide receiver to cut if you if you want. Yeah, yeah. Ruggs was targeted five times. He's only he only caught two passes. I wasn't that you know enthusiastic about him going into the year, but you know him and Zay Jones had the exact same stat line. When then you had Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro, and obviously Darren Waller getting you know equal or much greater targets than him. So um, just I mean, nothing to get excited. Sometimes you know you got to get creative with the cut decisions here, and sometimes I just like to put some spicy names on there to make you guys think. So. Yeah, you know. Zach Moss. Bye-bye. Kind of him it, for sure. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, let's get a word from our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Preseason football is wrapped up, and we're ready for the regular season to kick off this week, or I guess last week. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. Grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that does feel great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets for the game, your favorite artist or that new show everyone's talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. I'm going to have to see if Vivid Seats can refund my Michael Buble concert tickets for tonight because my (laughs) wife and I cannot with my child sick. I'm looking forward to that. Not uh, (laughs) figure out how to get rid of those tickets and not lose money on that, but where's hey, the show at? Yeah, Milwaukee. Uh, well, yeah, we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's like, I guess I'll take free tickets. No, Jake, I want to upcharge somebody for an insane amount of money to see a concert that I really didn't want to see two years ago when it was canceled for the pandemic. Sorry about no, that. No, I'm going to Colorado in two weeks to go see Tyler Childers at Red Rock. So, uh, you know, I got that's my concert budget for the month of September. All right, shout out to Vivid Seats for making that happen, maybe or maybe not. Uh, let's go over to tight ends. Uh, last week we talked about Tyler Conklin, four catches of 40 yards, like you mentioned, Jake, for the Vikings. This week we have, unfortunately, to mention Jawan Johnson. I have to say unfortunately because I feel like people are going to get all hot and bothered about his two touchdowns, especially when, other than the first four tight ends that were drafted, I guess Hawkinson wasn't your four, but he was my four tight ends drafted. Really everyone else that kind of bad afterwards. Noah Fank got a lot of targets, but not in Superman production. So everyone's thirsty for those touchdowns and everything else. Jawan Johnson got two 
did limited work. I think I saw Jerry Donabedian tweet out that uh, Adam Troutman played significantly more. It just mm-hmm. was Jawan Johnson that got the goal line work, and maybe that is valuable to some extent. I, again, think the Packers' defense was one of the worst things you will see on a football field the entire season. They will not be playing the Packers' defense often. So just be mindful of that mm-hmm. if you are trying to chase those two touchdowns. Yeah, you know, I, I put him on the list here because you've got the huge body. You know, go go and get rebounds up there, 6'4", 230. Um, he's someone that Jameis, who we know is going to be the quarterback, of course, likes to look to. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know. You never know. He could have one of those Ebron-type years where they just they go to him in the red zone and with their with their big wide receivers down, you know, with uh, – with Thomas and uh, and Callaway on IR, you know the targets are going to go somewhere. They can't all go to Elvin Kamara, and they're going to face teams with a li- with a little better, you know, quicker, more physical inside linebacking core than the Packers. They're not all going to be able to go to Kamara. And when they get down to the red zone and have to spread things out a little bit, I could see James throwing more jump balls than Juwan Johnson. It's a very, it's not a volume heavy, it's a red zone heavy, you know, assessment here to get him on the list. But there's not a whole lot out there this week for tight ends, so you know he he led my list. Yeah, people are going to be aggressive about those two tens, and I think they're may- or two touchdowns, and I think they're just not underestimating understanding how bad that Packers defense was. Uh, Cole Komet, five catches for forty-two yards against the Rams, and more importantly, I think he outsnapped and also also out targeted Jimmy Graham, who saw just two targets in that contest. I know game script probably favored more passing opportunities overall, but I would argue that there's going to be a lot of those game scripts for the bears this year that are going to favor more passing opportunities. So Cole commit in a full point PPR format, I think is kind of like a low end tight end to like, I think like that tight end 12 to 16 range, he mm-hmm. could pretty easily be that case, but I don't think he was really being drafted that way for a lot of yeah. other people. No, I was going to say he was barely drafted. He definitely wasn't drafted as a tight end one. Now you talk about the size Cole commit six, six, two sixty. So, you know, the second round pick, should be coming around here eventually in his second year and 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 i mean he's fine but you have to think about the tight end landscape you know how many tight ends are you actually dropping for this guy especially if he was drafted around tight end 16 you know you drop hunter henry for cole Komet. i think you could make that case um you know but but those are the types of decisions that you have to make and uh I, you don't necessarily need to shoehorn him into your roster especially if you have one of the top tight ends already you kind of pass over the section yeah. Uh, Albert O as well for the Broncos uh, had a touchdown catch also to fumble w- did some work and, and given his athleticism, I think it's worth mentioning if Noah Fant were to get injured, I actually think Albert would be a fantastic play, but we need to wait on the Noah Fant part of things. And I, you know, mm-hmm. Fant given how explosive he was and how well he looked went over the Broncos mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, it's a little bit harder to recommend him unless we have no fan out of the picture. Yeah, you know, a fourth rounder out of Missouri again, big body, six five two sixty. So you know, similar similar to the outlook on Juwan Johnson, but uh, you know, obviously Judy's out of the picture. That's seven targets that got to go somewhere. I'm not saying he'll necessarily get some, but. If anything, he's deterring from the value of Noah Fant a little bit by being such an attractive red zone target. But he's TV or bust. I mean, that's what you're going with here. You know, if you play in a t- I've seen people, I've been asked questions about touchdown only leagues where those are the only things that count. Yeah. And those yeah. and and guys like Juwan Johnson and and Okuga, well, you know, I'm just gonna leave it there. Alberto. Uh, Alberto. Yeah. And those guys, uh, I mean, th- there's value there. So, you know, I think it's worth it. I hopefully it's worth it for some people that we, you know, we bring these names up and run down these lists. Yeah. Last name to mention, at least from tight ends, David Ujoku caught three of his five targets for a team high 76 yards in the loss to the Chiefs. More importantly, he actually played most or or close to as many snaps as Austin Hooper. Again, uh, highest paid tight end in the league, Austin Hooper, or at least was for that short duration of time, which is crazy to me. And obviously had that 43-yard catch, which production-wise, I I don't think Nujoku is going to be doing that type of performance week in and week out. But the playing time is encouraging to see. I mean, he had five targets and Hooper had three. So I needed to put that down there. I mean, Nujoku was a guy coming out of college who got quite a bit of hype, quite a bit of steam. And then, you know, he underachieved for a while, had some drop issues, and then they signed Hooper. So people kind of forgot about him. But he had the pedigree at one point in time. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, maybe he just wasn't a little bit of a late bloomer. Yeah, it's It'll be interesting to see if you were to get moved to different teams. I think Nujoko's the talent. And like I think the the Vikings, for example, who who are chasing guys right now would be Chris Herndon, Tyler Conklin. Like I think Nujoko could be a really good fit there, but they've already given up draft compensation to try and prove that position. And I think the uh, the sorry, the Browns utilize their tight ends to such an extent that maybe Nujoku just is more valuable on their team than others. Well, 
Whatever. Uh, any streaming defenses to to list? Uh, we had talked about rostering two defenses last week for a reason. <laughs> I was clearly right. You were clearly wrong. There's no. Hope you goons didn't do that. that. Hope you guys uh, didn't waste any upside picks on a second defense. <laughs> Yeah, now I would be more confident cutting a second defense this week, especially when there's a few viable names. The first thought comes Packers, because, again, they're playing the Lions, but Lions look kind of okay against the Niners this past week, and the Packers definitely did not. So I'm yeah. less enthusiastic about them than I was a week before. Don't forget about Jamal Williams' revenge game. You know That's going to happen. He's cards. getting 120 total yards for sure, at yeah. least. No, I mean, you're playing Detroit. You got to figure it out. But I mean, okay, so DeAndre Swift looked better than I ever gave him credit for. Um, it doesn't look like any of those online rumors have been substantiated. He looks fast. He looks explosive. Um, that's the kind of back that gives the Packers defense trouble. So I'd be a little bit careful about that. That's another one, you know, that even on our own site, and, you know, I guess I'll trust Jerry's opinion over mine. He ranks them as the number one in the streaming defenses article. But I think um, if you can get a handle on the Saints, and now they're on the road, so you know you got that difference. They're on the road. They're playing the Panthers, and I know I, I generally like Sam Darnold, but uh, you know people like to dog Aaron Rodgers for how he played. I think the defense has at least something to do with that here. And the Saints are a 32% roster defense on Yahoo that I think could potentially be worth starting more than just a stream option here. You know, if that defense, if it, if you know, if Lattimore is healthy. For those guys and you know he can he can be a shutdown corner for him allow them to do a whole lot of different things a lot of different freedoms and in, in their coverages i think that they're a defense that can be a week to week reliable and you know it's an okay matchup this week so i'd rather take the flyer on them this week and potentially have a defense potentially get to stop streaming defense not worrying about that every single week than the packers where you're definitely cutting them the next time they face a halfway decent top half of the league offense which is the Niners the following uh important yeah team. good god yes okay that's that's gonna be I'm I'm not looking forward to that one but if if teams were to just or fantasy managers were just to pick up defenses that were actually good why would they listen to the hour minute mark of this podcast I feel like that's mm-hmm. I think we're recommending bad things we want more listeners Jake this is this is a bad opportunity for them yeah you know we're gonna throw that out there because uh so I just want to do a thing with the Saints a little exercise here the Saints week three at New England you're again you're on the road but you have a rookie quarterback week four home against the giants you get danny dimes he's going to turn the ball over week five at washington and taylor heineke or maybe even kyle and allen and then week six by you maybe consider cutting them then because they have seattle tampa bay atlanta tennessee philly after that but there's a good four week stretch for the saints might be able to help you out here so i'm gonna go i'm gonna try to go against the grain of the general industry consensus here and say the saints are a better pickup this week than the packers i'll be able to get rid of my second defense and just uh go in completely on the saints defense for the foreseeable future i like that i like that decision all right well that does it for us on the tuesday edition of the nfl podcast again thank you for listening live out there uh you can always ask us questions on twitter at jp fantasy sports or at roto jake again this podcast is sponsored by WinBet. We thank them and all of our other sponsors for uh, helping this production move along. And we'll be back again next week to recommend some more free agent pickups to help win your league. If you are of the listening or if you want to be the reading variety of this podcast, we have uh, Kevin Payne's article out on the site right now for his week two waivers. And always make sure to check out Jerry Dodd-Benin's Twitter account, which is going through most of these snap shares and everything else like that too, mm-hmm. highlighting a lot of these different players, which is where we get our yep. information from. Yeah, yeah, he's free for week one. You know, we kind of give you a teaser for week one, but then after that, you got to check, you got to hit the link below here, rotowire.com slash try 10 days, no credit card. Uh, we'll get you hooked up with all, with all the data and all the recommendations you need. So thanks again for tuning in, you guys. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.